0: Let's go ahead then and bow our heads and we'll join in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, again we pray your Holy Spirit's guidance and blessing as we read and study your word. We ask that you would give us understanding and cause us to see our need to repent of our sins and to look to Christ Jesus for mercy and forgiveness and to hold fast to him and unto life everlasting. We pray your help, your blessing, in Jesus' name. Amen. And tonight we are going to look at Hosea chapter 3 and probably chapter 4 as well, because Hosea chapter 3 is very short. But just kind of a a reminder again of uh, what we have studied in Hosea. We remember that Hosea is kind of unique in that God told him to marry a wife of harlotries or prostitution. So he marries a prostitute and his children. Uh, Jezreel is named because God's going to take vengeance uh, for the sins committed at Jezreel by uh, Jeroboam, or by, yeah, it would be by yeah Jeroboam when he uh, destroyed, I'm, I'm saying Jeroboam, but it's not Jeroboam jehu uh, when he destroyed or killed all the the descendants or the sons of ahab uh, he has another child that is named uh, lo ruhamah which is not my people because the tr- northern tribes of israel because of their idolatry god regarded them no longer as his people uh, or Lo-Ruhamah means no mercy. He was no longer going to have mercy upon them. And so uh, the time of God's mercy had come to an end and his judgment is coming. And then uh, Lo-Ami is not my people. And it's because they were no longer his people and he was no longer their God. They had rejected him. And so he was rejecting them. And then last time we we saw again the judgment, but then it speaks of uh, God uh, making a covenant with them and bringing them back and uh, betrothing, uh, betrothed thee unto me forever. Uh, again, using the similitude with uh, Gomer, the wife of harlotry, uh, him bringing her back. In fact, he, you know, he has to. Uh, bring her back in spite of it and it, it promises that he's going to betroth her unto him in faithfulness and it's pointing to uh the day when God brings back his scattered people of Israel and shows mercy upon them. Uh, and it says that, you know, God will it shall come to pass in that day that I will hear, saith the Lord I will hear the heavens, they shall hear the earth, the earth shall hear the corn and the wine and the oil, and they shall hear Jezreel. And I will sow her unto me in the earth, and I will have mercy upon her that had not obtained mercy. Uh, so the lo ruhama would be ruhama, and I will say to them which were not my people, thou art my people, and they shall say thou art my God. And so it speaks of the day when God is going to uh, call back and bring back his people people and that they are going to partake of this new covenant in jesus christ and whether that's speaking of a regathering of the jews from all the places they were scattered or uh, bringing in the gentiles together with uh, many of the jews to faith in jesus christ i really don't know the answer for sure you know kind of the, the lutheran answer has often been that it's not speaking of the nation Israel as we know it today, but it's speaking of uh, God bringing in people from all nations and grafting them into Israel. But it certainly is not beyond God's capability to gather, you know, the physical descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and bring them back to faith and to restore them also as his people and and the book of romans kind of speaks of that when it talks about us being grafted in and it talks about uh god by showing mercy to us uh is making his own uh, people jealous so that he might have mercy upon them also and so uh, for the answer to that i guess we will have to wait and see how how god fulfills this and i have to admit uh, so many of these prophecies, even though when you study, you can you can get the gist of what it's saying. To see exactly how it is going to be fulfilled uh, is, you know, remains in God's hands. It's it's kind of the same way as you know the people in the Old Testament had the gospel promises in Genesis three fifteen. There was the promise that the seed of the woman would come, who would crush or bruise the head of the serpent and so one was promised a descendant of the woman who would uh bruise satan's head undo what satan had done in the garden of eden and then there were other prophecies along the way we see that it was to be you know through abraham through isaac through jacob and then through david uh that he would redeem his people israel Uh, isaiah 53 probably reveals And Psalm 22 reveals so much because it speaks of his sufferings and death and bearing the sins of God's people. So it tells a lot about how he would do it. But we really didn't, you know, it really wasn't fully revealed to us until Jesus came and, you know, he fulfilled all righteousness for us. He lived a righteous and holy life. And then he suffered and died on the cross that God punished him there for your sins and my sins, the sins of the whole world. That we might look to him in faith and be forgiven and so when when it happened it the fulfillment uh, was seen and only that by the holy spirit because the disciples didn't even understand as it happened it was only you know at pentecost when you know the holy spirit revealed to him how all these scriptures were pointing to this well when we look at prophecies concerning the end times especially uh We see what is being prophesied but we don't fully understand how it's going to be fulfilled it's kind of a mystery which may not be fully revealed to us until the things actually take place and then we say oh this is what you promised God I see now how you how you're carrying this out but before uh, it's kind of a mystery to us we know it's promised and we look forward to it but we don't see The complete fulfillment and understand exactly how it's going to be Uh, it might be somewhat of a sin for a Lutheran to say this in regard to uh, the Roman papacy Uh, you know I believe that the papacy in Rome fulfills what you know God's Word says in second Thessalonians chapter 2 and elsewhere concerning the Antichrist but I also believe that God may have an even more literal fulfillment of it to come Uh, I'm not really expecting that but I'm not ruling it out because you know the Bible tells us uh, what the Antichrist is going to do how he's going to deceive the people and you know present himself as though he is God and we know that the Roman papacy has done this as the head of the head of the visible church here in this world, but the Bible doesn't necessarily tell us specifically. Well, this is the Roman papacy, and this is exactly you know how it's done or how it's going to be fulfilled. Now there are passages in uh, the Book of Revelation which speak about you know the beast sits on seven hills. Pretty clearly, points to Rome and to you know the Roman pontiff. So, I mean, I believe that, but at the same time, if God has another way to fulfill that, that's even more, uh, I guess, more literal, uh, certainly it's, it's up to him, and i and I'll leave that in God's hands. Anyway, then coming to Hosea chapter 3, Then said the Lord unto me, Go yet, love a woman beloved of her friend, yet an adulteress according to the love of the Lord toward the children of Israel who look to other gods and love flagons or flagons of wine. Uh, you may, if you're using a different Bible translation, you may see instead of flagons of wine, you may see uh, raisin cakes uh, here because the Hebrew uh, can be translated that way as well, and uh, many uh, lean to that and say, "Well, flagons of wine probably isn't the best—the best way to translate the Hebrew there in in that text." Uh, I was looking at, and my my Hebrew is is next to nothing. I mean, I can I know what the letters are and can read, uh, pronounce some of the words and. I remember some of the words, but I don't even remember uh, very much of the vocabulary anymore because it's been over 40 years, and I, I just don't use Hebrew as much as I should. I should be reading and studying every day, and and uh, then it would would be helpful. But according to a very literal translation of the Hebrew of uh, this this chapter, uh, says. Uh, and Jehovah said to me, Jehovah being, because it is the Lord, all in caps, uh, or Y-H-W-H if you transliterate the Hebrew letters into English, uh, so it, it means the name of God, Jehovah, Yehovah, said to me, Go again, love a woman loved by a friend, yet an adulteress, according to the love of Jehovah toward the sons of Israel, who turn to other gods and love raisin cakes of grapes and so I don't, I don't know exactly why the difference but uh, there are you know different understanding of that hebrew word uh, it is tied to the grapes uh, so whether it is fermented grapes or dried grapes uh, i don't know it really doesn't necessarily make any difference in how we understand this passage and so it goes on so i bought her to me for 15 pieces of silver Uh, and it can this word the hebrew can mean i bargained over her in other words it's kind of like at a slave auction uh with 15 pieces of silver for an omer of barley and a half of barley half omer of barley And so we're talking about uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of 12 13 bushels of barley uh 15 pieces of silver was as it's used elsewhere in the bible is about half the price of a slave if you were going to buy a slave uh, it was often 30 pieces of silver which that's also what judas was betrayed paid to betray jesus was 30 pieces of silver but so here for you know a very poor price in other words she wasn't worth much uh, he he buys her and so for 15 pieces of silver for you know 12 13 14 bushels of barley which was regarded as the poorest of grain that they grew He he pays and redeems her or buys her for himself. And I said unto her, Thou shalt abide with me, stay with me many days, and thou shalt not play the harlot, and thou shalt not be for another man, so will I also be for thee. And so he tells Gomer, his wife, and we assume this is Gomer, that she has to stay with him many days, not just you know, it's not just a one-night thing or a short stay. It's for many days. And she's not going to play the harlot. She's not going to go and have other, other lovers. Uh, she will not be for another man. And he says, so will I also be for thee. Uh, and some take this to be that she is set apart and neither Hosea or anybody else is has any kind of sexual relationship with her but she is to remain a certain time uh, before hosea takes her Uh, i don't necessarily see any reason for that because what it's really saying uh, when he says so i also for thee uh, hosea is saying uh, she's going to be faithful to him and he's going to be faithful to her Uh, then it says for the children of israel shall abide many days without a king and without a prince and without a sacrifice and without an image and without an ephod ephod is the priestly garment that they wore when they uh tried to determine or were to determine the will of god with the urim and the thummim and without teraphim teraphim or teraphim were uh, little images or idols And so God says is using this to illustrate that the children of Israel are going to abide many days without a king, without a prince, without a sacrifice, without an image or an idol, without an ephod, without teraphim. And afterward shall the children of Israel return and seek the Lord their God and David their king and shall fear the Lord and his goodness in the latter days. And I think this is where uh, many get the idea that Hosea is saying that she's going to remain, you know, set still and wait uh, for a time because this would illustrate verse uh, 4 that the children of Israel are going to have many days where they have no king reigning over them, no prince, no sacrifices going on at the temple, uh, no idols, uh, no ephod, no priestly ephod, and without teraphim, without any household idols or images uh, again uh, that that may may be so or it it just may be uh, what God is saying here that Israel is going to be many days but then afterward shall the children of Israel return and seek the Lord their God they're going to seek Jehovah their God and David their king well who is David their king uh, at the time of Hosea, david the king was long dead but it's talking about uh the descendant of david who would reign on the throne of david it's talking about the messiah the lord jesus christ Uh, and they shall fear the lord fear the jehovah and his goodness in the latter days and so it's it talks about a time in the future he's saying now they're going to be without all these things but afterward they're going to be. Brought back and they're going to seek the lord their god and david their king and that they will fear honor the lord and his goodness in the latter days and so instead of continuing in idolatry they're going to turn to the lord and to their messiah and trust in him and again this is you know one of those passages well was is, is it speaking about just the northern tribes of israel uh that someday they are going to return or is it speaking about other people being brought in and seeking the Lord and I'm hesitant to limit this to just you know the growth of the Christian church which has both Jew and Gentile uh to you know it may actually mean that the Lord is going to gather Israel and bring them back to know the Lord and you know in 1948 god established the nation of israel or the nation of israel was established which was you know the by by god's hand one way or another either permission or his will uh that this happened but the nation of israel today is uh in large part you know a secular nation it's not a nation that has turned to uh the messiah Uh, there are many jews who are Uh, believers in the lord jesus christ as their messiah but as a whole uh, the nation has not returned and the fulfillment of a part of this you know the children of of israel shall abide many days without a king without a prince without a sacrifice without an image without an ephod without a teraphim Uh, the fulfillment of this really began to take place when Uh, the assyrians came and conquered israel and you know destroyed their their pagan temples and idols and images and uh, so they were not sacrificing to their false gods nor you know later on uh, jerusalem and the temple in jerusalem were also destroyed uh, by the babylonians and so sacrifice stopped and so for many days they had been unfaithful and now for many days all these things are taken away and afterward god brings them back and they seek the lord their god and david their king and it often happens in history that god has to take away all the things that we have and all our false hopes all our idols of one sort or another in order to wake us up so that we return to the Lord. Uh, Even God's judgments, even God's severe judgments, have the ultimate purpose of waking up, you know, waking us up, that we might look back to the Lord God and repent of our sins and place our faith and our hope in Jesus Christ and in nothing else. Uh, In our own country, we are so prone to trust in You know, our our work that we have done uh, or the righteousness of our nation. Uh, You know, you hear everybody speaking about how great democracy is. Uh, Well, democracy, true democracy is just uh, majority rules. And uh, what it means is if the majority becomes evil, uh, they rule over and, uh, have the upper hand over all those who seek to follow the Lord. And that's, uh, really beginning to happen in our days where, you know, it kind of was the other way where, you know, people wanted to do all these things, but they didn't have the political power and the might to do them now that they've gained the upper hand in many ways, whether it was. Uh, stolen or whether it was legitimately you know carried out in the elections i don't know the answer to that but certainly uh, now that they have the upper hand they are using that to lord it over those who would follow the lord and to walk in his ways and urge people to do so and trying to ban you know christians from bearing witness to parts of scripture and uh So judgment may come upon us as well. Uh, It certainly would seem that it's going to have to one way or another. And when judgment comes, the purpose, why God lets it come, is to wake us up, that we might turn back to him. In the first three chapters of Hosea, uh, God uses similitude, or Hosea and his Uh, prostitute wife and children in order to illustrate uh, his dealings with Israel, because here it points to God's great mercy uh, upon an unfaithful people. Uh, Here they are, you know, they're supposed to be faithful to Israel. God Redeemed them from slavery in Egypt. He gave them a promised land. He blessed them with a good land and with all that they need. And what do they do? Well, as soon as, as soon as the first Jeroboam rebelled and set up Israel as a separate, second, you know, a separate nation from Judah in the south, the first thing he did was set up idols so that people would not return uh, to Jerusalem to worship, because he feared that if they went back to Jerusalem to worship, uh, that they would. Rejoin and uh, he would be out his kingdom and maybe his life And of course that idolatry continued uh, Through the kings of Israel in the north Uh, and so God had bought her and She was unfaithful like a prostitute and you know prostituted herself out to you know Whoever would give her what she wanted uh, Whoever would bless her and so they participated in idolatry and alliances with foreign kings that they shouldn't have been allied with and uh, yet in spite of their idolatry and wickedness uh, we see the great mercy of God because you know like Hosea is commanded to go and pay a price and redeem and buy back his prostitute wife so God comes and he redeems us we're unworthy And yet he sent his son to die in our stead, uh, that he might redeem us for himself and bring us back to him. So we really see the, you know, we see the judgment of God that their time of mercy had run out. They were no longer his people. And yet we see his mercy because he's still reaching out. He's still warning them. And in the book of Hosea, the first three chapters is done through similitude, the example of what God tells Hosea to do in regard to Gomer and the names for their children. In Hosea chapter 4, uh, the book changes in that now Hosea is simply testifying to the people the word of the Lord. Uh, it's not done through similitude, but simply the direct word of God. Uh, so it begins, here the word of the Lord, ye children of Israel. For the Lord hath a controversy with the inhabitants of the land because there is no truth, nor mercy, nor knowledge of God in the land. By swearing, and lying, and killing, and stealing, and committing adultery, they break out, and blood toucheth blood. Uh, I don't know of any words that you know, might be more fitting for our own nation today. Uh, hear ye the word of the Lord the Lord has a controversy with us he has a he has an issue with us uh, with the inhabitants of this land because there is no truth nor mercy nor knowledge of God in the land and you know just over the last 50 or 60 years so much has changed in the United States where a, a nation which once, held to uh the truths of the bible which was known for mercy uh, people had knowledge of god now we have become uh, we've rejected the truth uh, we're unmerciful to each other and we have no knowledge of god anymore uh, it amazes me how little people know about what's in the bible oh uh, they just don't know it they've never been taught it never heard it before and so they have no knowledge of god and instead of instead of believing you know their only knowledge of god comes from what they hear on television and radio uh which is all you know full of falsehoods and so they believe in a god who loves everybody and would never judge anybody a god who uh, is in favor of homosexuality and same-sex marriages and You know, a God who just is so full of love and no judgment. Well, that's not the God of the Bible, because the God of the Bible is a God of love, but he is also a God of judgment who will judge sin uh, and finally will judge all those who reject him. And so the Lord has a controversy with us, too. There's, there's no truth anymore. We've rejected the truth. People reject the Bible, and whenever the Bible is proclaimed, they seek to overthrow it and ridicule it so that people do not believe it. And uh, by swearing and lying, uh, I can't believe, you know, I remember as, as a sheriff's deputy, uh, when, you, when you go to court, uh, the, the witnesses all had to swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God. And all kinds of people took this, and then they just stood there and lied, and lied, and lied. Uh, so they take an oath in God's name, but it means nothing. Uh, they just lie. And of course, even in our dealings with each other, you know, it's full of lying and falsehood. And killing. Think of the, the, the rising murder rates, you know, we hear of shootings all the time and uh stealing uh committing adultery is so commonplace uh they break out and it says blood toucheth blood so you know just again and again you know the the bloodshed is so much that you know it pictures blood touching blood uh, in the hebrew and again if i read this to you from uh, a very literal translation of that let me turn back there again i I think it says almost exactly the same here says yeah blood touches against blood and so it it gives the idea of you know so much bloodshed that the blood begins to flow together and, you know, we see that going on in our own land uh, with all the bloodshed and the killing that's going on. Uh, it says, therefore, shall the land mourn, and everyone that dwelleth therein shall languish with the beast of the field and with the fowls of heaven, yea, the fishes of the sea also shall be taken away. And so it speaks of the judgment that's going to come, uh, how you know, the, the whole land, those who dwell are going to languish uh, together with, you know, the animals in the field, the fowls of the, the heaven, and even the fish are going to be taken away, it says. Uh, and so the judgment's going to come upon, you know, all the people and even the animals, even though it's not the animals' fault, uh, they still suffer. Uh and it says, yet let no man strive nor reprove another, for thy people are as they that strive with the priest. Uh, and it's a little bit unclear exactly what this means, but in, in my opinion, and uh, I guess it emphasizes my opinion, that those who strive with the priest are those who reject the teaching of the priest. When the priest reproves them, uh, they don't listen. And so the idea here very well may be, you know, don't, don't even reprove the people for their sin because they're just going to reject your reproof anyway. Uh, they're not going to believe. And it says, therefore shalt thou fall in the day and the prophet also shall fall with thee in the night and I will destroy thy mother. And so it speaks about the judgment which is going to come. Their time had run out. Uh, they're going to fall in the daytime. Uh, the prophets of God, uh, The prophets are going to fall with them in the night. In other words, the prophets are going to be judged because they weren't prophesying the truth. You know, They did not have the knowledge of God. Uh, and we can see that even with uh, pastors and church leaders today. Uh, so many of them lack the knowledge of God and his word. Uh, I get to read, uh, not that I necessarily want to all the time, but I get to read uh, submissions from different pastors uh, to the newspaper. And uh, some of them are just so empty and devoid of any biblical truth. Uh, they, they, you know, they come up with all these cute stories and illustrations, which really don't illustrate a whole lot. That needs to be heard. Uh, they preach, you know, God's love and God's mercy, uh, when they should be preaching God's judgment, uh, which is going to come upon us if we do not repent. And uh, it even speaks about the destructions even going to come upon their mother, uh, and whether that's speaking about the mother, their mother, literally, or speaking of israel being the mother of the people Um, then it says my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge Uh, because they did not know the truth did not believe the truth they ended up destroyed Uh, they really were destroying themselves Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee. And so, when they reject the knowledge that God reveals to them, uh, whether it be in his word or through creation, God also rejects them. And we we just talked about this uh, in the book of Romans. In uh, Romans chapter 1, I will turn there and read to you in just a second. Romans chapter 1, and and again, this is maybe a little bit rough as a translation because it tries to follow very literally the Greek. But it says, For God's wrath is revealed from heaven on all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. The ones holding back the truth and unrighteousness in other words instead of holding to the truth uh, they reject it and stand in the way of the truth because the thing known of god is clearly known within them for god revealed it to them for the unseen things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things made both his eternal power and divinity for them to be without excuse Because knowing God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but they became vain in their reasonings, and their foolish or undiscerning heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools or foolish, and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into a likeness of an image of corruptible man, and of birds, and four-footed animals, and creeping things. Therefore God gave them over to impurity and the lust of their hearts their bodies to be dishonored among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God into the lie, and worshipped and served the created thing more than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. Because of this, God gave them over to dishonorable passions. For even females changed a natural use to the use contrary to nature. And likewise, the males, also forsaking the natural use of the female, burn in their lust toward one another, males with males, or men with men working out shamefulness and receiving back within themselves the recompense which is right for their straying away. And even as they did not think it think fit to have God in their knowledge, God gave them over to an unfit mind to do the things not fitting having been filled with all unrighteousness fornication iniquity covetousness malice being full of envy murder quarrels deceit evil habits whisperers or becoming whisperers slanderers god-haters insolent men arrogant ones braggarts devisers of evil things disobedient to parents without understanding untrustworthy ones without affection implacable ones unmerciful ones who having known the ordinance of god that the ones practicing such things are worthy of death not only do them but also approve the ones practicing them so they they take delight when they see other people uh, committing the sins that you know they are committing or desire to commit and so you know it speaks here of god's people israel in the north Being destroyed because of lack of knowledge they've rejected knowledge and God also rejects them and I think of uh, what Solomon wrote in the book of Proverbs in the first chapter I'm gonna turn there Uh, this is chapter 1 at verse 24 because I have called and ye refused i have stretched out my hand and no man regarded but ye have said it not all my counsel and would none of my reproof i also will laugh at your calamity i will mock when your fear cometh when your fear cometh as desolation and your destruction cometh as a whirlwind when distress and anguish cometh upon you then shall they call upon me but i will not answer they shall seek me early but they shall not find me for that they hated knowledge And did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would none of my counsel. They despised all my reproof. Therefore, shall they eat of the fruit of their own way and be filled with their own devices. For the turning away of the simple shall slay them, and the prosperity of fools shall destroy them. And so, you know, very similar warning to elsewhere in the scriptures because of the lack of knowledge, Uh, they are destroyed and God rejects them. And he says that thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God. I will also forget thy children. And so, uh, this this could be taken, you know, that the children of Israel were a kingdom of priests unto God, uh, in that they were to bear witness to God throughout the world. Uh, now they are not a priest, but it may refer specifically to. The levitical priesthood that was to teach people god's word uh, but they've forgotten the law of thy god and so how could they you know how could they do their their work of teaching the people the truth when they themselves have forgotten the law of god and of course that's happens with pastors today as well that so many do not accept uh, the holy scriptures as the true and unerring word of God or do not study the scriptures and so they you know are no priest to God no 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 true shepherds for the Lord God and here he says I will also forget thy children Uh, the priest uh, children uh, the Levitical priests their children continued in that office and so it was passed down from father to son and uh, God says, I'm going to forget thy children. He says, as they were increased, so they sinned against me. Therefore, I will change their glory to shame. And so, even as the people were blessed and increased, uh, they sinned more against him. And so, God's going to change their glory into shame. And how that might apply to You know to our own nation Uh, the more we grow uh, the more we sin against the lord god and all our glory you know the things the strength the might uh, the economic prosperity the united states all that glory could be quickly changed into shame by the lord god because our people have turned away from from god and his word It says here, they eat up the sin of my people, and they set their heart on their iniquity. And so speaking of the the priests, or the the spiritual leaders of God's people, uh, it's like they feed on the sin of the people, and they set their heart on their iniquity. And so, you know, they are, the sins of the people actually feed the fleshly, or the sinful desires of their flesh. Uh, and in many ways you know we see this happening to uh pastors and and people today uh, we say we are opposed to sin and disobedience to god but what we watch on tv and at the movies you know tv sh- tv shows are in large part uh crime shows where we're seeing seeing the worst uh in mankind all the different crimes and evil that they can commit and in many ways we delight in it or we watch movies and films and what's one of the first things you know they do are uh, a man and a woman are in bed together or now sometimes it's man and man or woman and woman are in bed together and you know it's not husband and wife it's uh, fornication and we delight in it and we watch it uh, and so as it says here they eat up the sin of my people they set their heart on their iniquity and so even though they presented themselves as believers and those who you know were God's servants yet their heart is set on on their own sinful desires. Again, I think of uh, the warning to us in Romans chapter 14, where we are cautioned against uh, the sins of our own flesh. But in Romans chapter 14, at the, or at chapter 13, verse 14, so it's chapter 13 at the very end. Put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh. To fulfill the lust thereof and what god here is saying is that they delighted in iniquity and they were making opportunity to delight in iniquity and when other people sinned uh they delighted in it because that's where their heart was set and so often we delight in iniquity when we watch all the filth on tv or in movies or in books You know what do we want to read about what do we want to learn what do we want to see we want to see sin because our hearts are corrupt it says and there shall be like people like priest and i will punish them for their ways and reward them their doings and so god says you know in the same way as the people are going to suffer his judgment so also the priests are going to suffer his judgment. He's going to punish them, people and priests alike, for their evil ways and reward them their doings. And of course that applies to pastors and congregations today as well. If pastors are not warning their people against sin and calling them to repent, uh, they too will be judged right along with their congregations who continue on in sin and are impenitent Uh, God speaks here of the judgment that's going to come they shall eat and not have enough they shall commit whoredom or fornication and shall not increase because they have left off they've omitted to take heed to the Lord Uh, and we see that happening so much you know we the more we have the more we want never satisfied it's just like if we could just have this one more thing then we would have enough but when we have that we're still not satisfied well we we need another we need we need more or committing fornication or whoredom uh, they were not increasing they were not you know growing as a as a people uh and The reason is because they have left off. They've omitted to take heed to the Lord. They've omitted listening to the Lord and his word. Again, it says, "Whoredom and wine and new wine take away the heart. Uh, I think of the passage in Proverbs. I don't know if I can remember where it is, though. I want to say Proverbs 31, but I'm not sure if that's right. Um, probably not right, it's in the Catechism where it talks about um, seeing strange women, I might be able to uh, look it up here Uh, see if this will bring up the passage, it talks about wine when it is when it moveth the right, uh, no, it's in the Book of Proverbs anyway. There's a, a verse when it talks about look not upon uh, the wine, like something about when it's red in the glass. When it moveth the right, uh, because thou shalt behold strange women. Uh, it just shows how when. People become intoxicated with wine or new wine or anything else, it doesn't have to be wine, any kind of alcoholic beverage or even drugs. Uh, It causes them to let down their guard and do things that they would not do if they were sober and could think somewhat of the results of what they are doing. Uh, You know, it takes away that caution. And so, you know, it speaks here, it describes us as you know, the heart being led as though they are drunk. And of course, this may be speaking about a lot more than, you know, a warning against drunkenness and fornication, but it may apply also to the fact that uh, we are drunk, that the people of Israel were drunk uh, in idolatry in their, false beliefs you know they were unable to see and hear and understand the truth and so their heart was taken away in sin uh, in the same way as today people who are misled and view god and his word you know in a different way than god reveals it to us uh, they're taken away the heart's taken away they you know believe that things are God won't punish them for their wickedness when God clearly says he will. Verse 12 says, My people ask counsel at their stocks, and their staff declareth unto them, For the spirit of whoredoms hath caused them to err, and they have gone a whoring from under their God. Uh, and so it speaks about stock and staff, uh, i've seen explanations i'm not sure if we know exactly how this is uh was carried out but that people tried to determine the will of god by using their staff and uh either making it spin a little bit like a top or you know setting it up straight and letting go and see which way it falls kind of reminds me of you know the spin the bottle type of a thing you know trying to or a ouija board even trying to determine uh, which way to go and what God's will is by uh, such idolatrous means. Uh, in, a, in this really literal translation, it says, My people seek advice from, by their wood, and their rod declares to them, For the spirit of fornication has led them astray, and they fornicated from under their God. In other words, instead of submitting to God and his word, and looking to God and His word for uh, direction and guidance in their life, uh, they look to such foolish things as, you know, superstitious ways to determine. And of course, how true that is for today. We, we have people who really believe in horoscopes, you know, believe that this is going, this determines things, or look to foolish things for, you know, direction in their life probably one of the biggest foolish things that people look to is, you know, I just had this feeling in my heart that I should do this or do that, uh, rather than looking to the Word of God. What does God's Word say we should be doing? Looking to His commandments for guidance, uh, looking to the Scriptures, uh, and it's because they've gone a-whoring, they're unfaithful to their their God, they don't listen to God, and so they listen to all these other things, and it amazes me today, too, that uh, people today who are so quick to reject the Bible, you know, how can that be true, uh, reject uh, creation, reject uh, Jesus and redemption, and yet they will believe in uh, space aliens, or they'll believe in all kinds of other superstitious ideas without even, you know, out even a second thought. They they believe these things, and what it shows is when you reject the truth, you know, you, you just open yourself up for the devil to cause you to believe all kinds of errors and falsehood says they sacrifice upon the tops of the mountains and burn incense upon the hills under oaks and poplars and elms because the shadow thereof is good Uh, the shade you know it's a a good place to to do this Uh, and so it speaks of uh, their foolishness that here they are Uh, going up on the tops of the mountains and offering sacrifices unto their idols. Uh, They burn incense upon the hills and uh, also under certain trees because the shadow or the shade is good. Uh, It reminds me of uh, Psalm 121, I believe it is. Uh, It's kind of this kind of thinking has affected the way some people would translate this. Uh, in the first verse, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. Uh, many of the newer translations say I'll lift up my eyes to the hills and then make the second part a question, from whence, from where does my help come from? In other words, I'm looking up to the hills where people are worshiping idols, but where does my help come from? My my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth, and it could be that that is correct as a, a uh, contrast between uh, Christianity or our true, true faith uh, from falsehood, but it also could be uh, lifting up our eyes to the hills because uh, lifting up their eyes to the hills where the temple is in Jerusalem, where the true God is worshipped, uh, so I'm a little hesitant to buy into that idea entirely. So it says, therefore, your daughters shall commit whoredom and your spouses shall commit adultery. And uh, if some of you are using a different translation, you might see uh, your daughter in law shall commit adultery, the last line there. It's because the Hebrew word that is translated spouse can mean your spouse or it can mean your son's spouse, which would be your daughter in law. But the point either way is the spiritual fornication that's being committed that you know the people are being unfaithful to the true god they are worshiping and serving false gods or committing whoredom and it used the the, uses the picture which often went together with pagan worship and Baal worship of the daughters You know serving as a temple prostitute that prostitution and uh, sex sex orgies and things were often a part of pagan worship and so their daughters and their spouses or their daughters-in-law would be participating in this and it shows the foolishness of this but then god says i will not punish your daughters when they commit whoredom nor your spouses when they commit adultery For themselves are separated with horrors, and they sacrifice with harlots. Therefore the people that doth not understand shall fall. And so God here is saying, I'm not going to punish them, because the people themselves are participating in this. Um, They are joining in uh, this pagan practice of Having sexual relationship with prostitutes uh, and offering sacrifice uh, together with with harlots, uh, which was a part of uh, Baal worship and worshiping gods of fertility, involved uh, sexual orgies and uh, fornication of different kinds. And so, therefore, the people that doth not understand shall fall and when god no longer punishes sin when god no longer warns people that's not a good that's not a good thing for the people because it means essentially it means god has given up god has turned you over to your own wickedness and which the way we read in the in uh, Romans chapter 1 you know god turn them over they rejected they rejected the knowledge of god that god had given them written on their hearts and their conscience and revealed to them through the creation of the world and they rejected what god said in the scriptures. so god turned them over to uncleanness and that led to you know fornication and sexual sin and other immorality and from there when god turned them over it went on down to homosexuality where people were even going against You know, what's clearly obvious in nature, uh, homosexual practices. And as that went on, God turned them over to a reprobate mind. They couldn't even think straight. You know, now we have that in our own country where, you know, young men and young women and sometimes old men and old women can't even tell the difference between a male and female anymore uh, and what roles they have uh, because they have rejected the knowledge of God. And so God is saying, you know, they do this. I'm not going to punish them. Uh, The people are joining together in it. All of them are going to fall. And then verse 15, Though thou Israel play the harlot, yet not Judah offend. And come not ye unto Gilgal, neither go ye up to Beth-Avon, nor swear the Lord liveth. And so God says even though israel the northern tribes were being unfaithful he says let not judah offend the south uh, because it's through judah that was god was going to uh continue the messianic line and and bring about salvation for the world and so he he speaks you know let not the people of judah come to gilgal uh, or go ye up to beth avon you know Beth Avon, I believe, is uh, Beth El, is the house of God, and it's where, you know, Jacob uh, saw the the ladder, the stairway reaching up to heaven, and God at the top and blessed him. He says he called it Beth El because it is none other, none other but the house of God. Here it's called Beth Avon because now it's the house of idols, uh, and so, in other words, the, the people of judah should not go up to israel uh, or go to these places because it will lead them into idolatry uh, nor swear the lord liveth and so here even they're not to take an oath in the name of the lord because uh, they have twisted what the name of the lord means and so there i guess you could even take this as being a warning against syncretism uh The children of israel the northern tribes were still using the name the lord or jehovah but they were you know replacing the true god with idols and images of god either in their minds or actually made uh, and worshiped and so you shouldn't even go there and say jehovah lives because their understanding of jehovah is not the right understanding and in the same way today we as Christians uh, do not join together with other religions in the world who claim to be worshiping God or even Jehovah if they do not accept what the Bible teaches about Jehovah that he is one God and three persons and that uh, the second person of the Trinity Jesus you know took on human flesh and blood became true man and suffered and died on the cross to redeem us uh, if they don't believe in the true God just because they use his name doesn't make their worship true and we should not participate in that he says for Israel slideth back as a backsliding heifer Uh, and I'm not really sure what a backsliding heifer is I've heard people talk about you know trying to get a heifer to go somewhere and it's sliding backwards instead of going forwards Uh, I suppose that uh, could be true uh what it means here what's the illustration that's used uh but the point is that instead of going forward in worshiping and serving the true god the children of israel are going backward into idolatry and he says now the lord or jehovah will feed them as a lamb in a large place Uh, and what does it mean a lamb in a large place so if you take a lamb and put it all alone out in the middle of a large area of wilderness what's going to happen to that lamb you know a sheep needs a shepherd and needs the flock needs to be together if it's all alone you know it's going to become prey to wolves or you know you know go somewhere and 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 die Uh, and so the you know god is abandoning them because they have abandoned him Uh, ephraim is joined to idols let him alone in other words his time is up Uh, don't try to don't try to you know he's joined himself to idols don't try to change it anymore God's mercy had run out the judgment was going to come Uh, their drink is sour they have committed whoredom continually her rulers with shame do love give ye Uh, and so it speaks again about you know their drink the judgment that's going to come uh, is sour Uh, you know they've committed whoredom they continue on in their evil ways Uh, their rulers you know love with shame and then it speaks about the wind hath bound her up in her wings and they shall be ashamed because of their sacrifices and so The day is going to come when they're going to be ashamed because of their evil sacrifices. And of course, when we look at all this, it certainly has application to our nation today and our people, as well as the visible churches who are really practicing idolatry when they turn aside from the truth of God's word and worship and serve a God of their own making, a God who just loves everybody and a God who just wants us to love everybody and God a God who rewards us when we try to live good lives instead of the God of the Bible who uh, visits and punishes sin and iniquity but shows mercy to thousands of those who love him and keep his commandments instead of a God who you know will judge sin on the last day but also loved us so much that he sent his son to die for us that we might look to him and be spared. God's judgment so there's a lot to think about in these two chapters of Hosea and uh, in the next beginning of the next chapter we begin to look at the priests uh, and the fact of the judgment coming upon them so do you have any questions or comments If not, let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you tonight knowing that so often we have failed to truly devote ourselves to hearing your word and listening to your word, to repenting of our own sins and evil and looking to Christ Jesus for mercy and forgiveness. We pray that we not come to the point of no return, that we not continue in sin and disobedience to the point where you finally say you know let us alone until the judgment comes we pray that you would continue to show us mercy that you would graciously draw us back to you by bringing us to see our sins and foolishness and to look to jesus and his cross for mercy and forgiveness we pray your blessing and guidance upon each of us and that you would draw us ever deeper in your word, grant that we might know you and know the truth about you and not turn aside to foolishness. We ask these things for Jesus' sake. Amen.